one, is it? You must choose. But choose wisely. For as the true grail will bring you life, the false grail will take it from you. This certainly is the cup of the King of Kings. Well, good morning, Orchard. Take out your Bibles this morning. Turn to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 1. If you're having trouble finding that, go to the Old Testament. The biggest book in your Bible is the book of Psalms. Go one uh, book to the right, and you'll find the book of Proverbs. Um, if you're finding your way there this morning, how many of you with the show of hands would say that you believe it's important to make wise decisions? By show of hands, how many would say, yes, it's important? Hopefully all of you are raising your hands to that question. If you didn't, that wasn't a wise decision. Uh, let, me, let me ask you this question. How many of you, if you're honest, you know people in your life that maybe have a lot of knowledge and education? but they don't always make wise common sense decisions. Anybody know somebody like that? Raise your hand. I said raise your hand. Don't point at them. Just raise your, your hand. British uh, poet uh, T.S. Eliot asked this question, where is the wisdom we have lost today in knowledge? There's a big difference between knowledge and education and wisdom. And we're going to be talking about wisdom in the book of Proverbs. I, I like the way one comedian said it. He said, knowledge lets you know that a tomato is a fruit, but wisdom tells you not to put it in a fruit salad. Let you think about that one for a minute. Isn't that true? You know, we live today in, in, in what many have called the information age. We have all this incredible information at our fingertips. I mean, we've got uh, the internet that we can get on our computers, our laptops, even on our mobile phones. We have all this information at our disposal. Um, they tell us that there was one internet site in December of 1990. There was one site. Today, there are over 1 billion sites today, and 11,000 are added every day. And we can have all this 
information at our fingertips, but what good is it if we don't have the wisdom to use the knowledge and information that we have? We have to have the wisdom. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 7 says this, wisdom is the principal thing, therefore what you should want to get is wisdom. How many of you would like a little more wisdom? Say yes. Wisdom. So what we really need today is wisdom, and that's what we're going to talk about in this summer series over the next about eight to ten weeks. We're going to be studying the book of Proverbs, and we're calling this Insights from a Truly Wise Guy. And what the book of Proverbs is all about is godly wisdom, how to get godly wisdom, how to apply godly wisdom, so that we can make more than a living, we can make a life. A lot of us are just busy making a living, but God wants us to make a life through wise decisions. Now today we're going to do an introduction of the book of Proverbs. Every time Time we launch into a book study, we try to introduce the book, who wrote it, what's it about. So I want us to answer four questions today to just kind of get some handles and wrap our minds around this book we're going to be studying over the next couple of months. So I hope you guys will take some notes. This morning, they're on the back of your outline, so grab those notes and let's get ready. We're going to answer uh, some questions today as we go through our journey. Four questions we're going to answer today. What is the major theme of Proverbs? Uh, Who wrote the book of Proverbs and how was it written? Uh, What is the key verse that unlocks the book of Proverbs? And how do we get the most out of Proverbs? We're going to spend a couple of months studying this book. We want to get the most out of this book. And so today, hope you'll take some notes as we just kind of wrap our minds around this incredibly practical book, the book of Proverbs. First question I want to look at is what is the major theme of the book of Proverbs? What is this book about? Let's look at uh, Proverbs chapter 1 verses 1 through 6 and just notice there's a word that keeps coming up that lets us know what the theme of this book is. It says, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of, what's the next word? Wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. We've already in two verses, we've seen this word wisdom twice. Now, it says to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will obtain wise counsel. To understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the, what, church? Help me out. The words of the wise and their riddles. So guess what the theme of Proverbs is? Wisdom. You got it. The theme of Proverbs is wisdom. You find the words wise and wisdom are used at least 125 times in the book of Proverbs. If you're looking for wisdom and making wise decisions, look no further than this incredibly practical book, the book of Proverbs, how to acquire and apply godly wisdom. Because God wants his children, he wants his people to be able to make wise decisions. Paul said it this way. We'll put it on the screen. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Paul said, be careful how you live. That ought to get our attention right there. Be careful how you live. We know we're all living, but be careful how you live. Don't live like what? Fools. You see, that's the opposite of wisdom. You're either going to live like a wise person or you're going to live like a foolish person. A lot of people are just living like fools. He says, don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise, making the most of every opportunity. I I love that. You know, we have opportunities that we're faced with every day as husbands, as wives, as fathers, as mothers, as family members, um, as, as bosses, as employees. We have these opportunities to make decisions. I bet if you look back last week on your life, you probably made some kind of important decision. 
And we want to make sure that when we make those decisions, we make wise decisions and not foolish decisions so that we can make the most of the opportunities that God gives us in our life every day, every week, because we live in evil days. He goes on and says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Wouldn't it be great if in every situation and every decision we knew exactly what the Lord wants us to do? Wouldn't that be nice? Say yes. yes. I mean, we knew God, just you show me what to do. And he will if we desire that. And, and understanding the book of Proverbs will help us to fulfill this verse in Ephesians. To make wise instead of foolish decisions and make the most of the opportunities. Because it's not enough just to have knowledge and education. Those are fine. Those are good things. But we want to have wisdom. The ability to properly use the knowledge and education that we have. Uh, I like the way one writer said it. He said, knowledge can take things apart. But wisdom puts things together. I like that. Knowledge can take things apart, but wisdom puts them together. Another writer said this, Wise men and women have the God-given confidence to grasp the meaning of a situation, to understand what to do and how to do it in the right way at the right time. And man, we can use this in our life as parents, at work, with our friends, uh, with our financial decisions, making wise instead of foolish decisions, in our relationships. A lot of times we face struggles in our relationships. We need to know what is the, the wise thing to do. What is the best thing to do? What is the God-honoring thing to do? Making wise instead of foolish decisions. Shelly and I uh, made a wise decision um, a few months ago. That, uh, you know, we prayed a lot about this. We really talked about it. We want to make a wise decision. And in the past few years, we have purchased a little mini season Rockies ticket plan for about 20 games. And this year, we made a very wise decision and we didn't buy Rockies tickets. <laughs> and so far, that has been a pretty wise decision. Based on the weather, based on how they're playing at home. Now, they play better of late, so we'll see if we're going to buy any tickets. But, but wisdom, making a wise decision. Wisdom is something uh, that, that's not just theoretical. It's very practical. It affects every area of our life. That's why so many people are drawn to the very practical book of Proverbs. Let me give you the Hebrew word for the word wise in the Old Testament. It's the Hebrew word hakam. Everybody just try that. Just say that. Hakam. I just got to kind of hock it up. Hakam. Okay, now wipe the spit off your arms and the person next to you. And, and this word hakam literally means it, des it describes people who were skillful with their hands. They didn't just have knowledge, but they had the wisdom to take that knowledge and skillfully put it into practice. Uh, God used this word to describe the people that he gave the wisdom to build the tabernacle and to build the temple. He gave them knowledge. He gave them ability. It was very practical. So people with godly wisdom have the skill to face life honestly and courageously and to manage it successfully so that God's purposes are fulfilled in their lives. They're able to make more than just a living. They're able to make a life through God. Godly wisdom. So the theme of the book of Proverbs is wisdom, something we can all use a little more of. Here's the second question we want to answer. How, who wrote the book of Proverbs and how was it written? Who wrote it and how was it written? Well, you don't have to go any further than Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1 to find the writer. It says the Proverbs of who, church? Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. The author, we believe, is King Solomon. These are often referred to as the Proverbs of Solomon. You say, is this the same guy that we met when we studied the book of Song of Solomon for the last several weeks? And God's not great? Yes, same guy, same king. 
Now the question is, where did Solomon receive all of this incredible wisdom that is packed into these 31 chapters of Proverbs? Well, if you take time a little later, you can read about this in 1 Kings chapter 3. And, and God did something incredible. He came to Solomon one day and he said, Solomon, I'm going to grant you one wish. What do you want? Wouldn't that be awesome if we woke up tomorrow and God did that? <laughs> said, I'm going to give you one wish. Choose wisely. And so Solomon thought about it. I mean, would, would you say, you know, I want a bigger house. I want a nicer car. I, I want to be healthy. I, I want a new job. You know, I, I want to make more money. What, what would you ask for if, you, if God gave you one wish? Well, Solomon thought about it, and here's what he asked for. You know what he asked for? Wisdom. He said, God, if I can only have one thing, give me wisdom. And God was so impressed and pleased with his decision, not only did he grant his wish to give him this incredible godly wisdom, but he blessed him with possessions and, 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 and power, prestige, and things like that as well because he was willing to ask for wisdom. But here's the good news, church. God is offering all of you that same opportunity. The same thing. Because James says this, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, I pray this verse Back to God as a promise all the time. James chapter 1 verse 5. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he'll do what? He'll give it to you. That right there was worth coming to church for this morning. If you need wisdom, that's all of us. Amen? If you need wisdom, ask. Everybody say ask. Just ask our generous God. It doesn't say he might give it to you or he'll think about giving it to you. You know, he says he will give it to you. And man, that's a verse I pray all the time as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, as a church leader. God, give me your wisdom to make the right decision at the right time in the right way in this situation. I really honestly believe it's one of the reasons why God has blessed Orchard Church so miraculously in the last 10 years. Because the prayer of our leadership has always been, God, what do you want us to do? What, is, what do you want us to do? When do you want us to do it? How do you want us to do it? As many of you know, we've purchased 38 acres right next to Prairie View High School. We're in the process of, of getting things prepared to break ground at the end of this year or first of next year. And uh, we're moving forward with the annexation with the city and the zoning. But all along the way, we've been praying, God, give us your wisdom to, to make the right decisions at the right time. And I believe if we do that... And we ask for God's wisdom and we get God's wisdom, things are going to go much smoother than if we try to do it on our own. Amen, church? We need to ask God for his wisdom. And the good news is he wants us to and he wants to answer that prayer. And what's interesting is Solomon began his reign as king by getting all this incredibly godly wisdom that he asked God for. But he ended his life practicing folly, which is foolishness. We know this because as we learn in Song of Solomon, he made a very wise decision with his first wife, which should have been his only wife and his last wife. But instead, he made one wise decision and 699 foolish decisions. Because if you know the story of Solomon, he had 700 wives. And if that wasn't bad enough, he had 300 concubines, which was like girlfriends on the side. Not a good decision. So let's not make the same mistake as Solomon. Let's make sure when we ask God for wisdom and he gives us wisdom and he shows us this incredible wisdom in the book of Proverbs that we put it into practice. 
and that we live it out, the wisdom that he's going uh, to give us. So the writer is Solomon. Let's talk about the approach. Um, how did he approach the writing of this book? I, I want to share four things with you, how this book was written that helps us kind of get our minds wrapped around this book we're going to study. First of all, Proverbs, they are quotable. They're quotable. You know, there's a lot of modern day quotes. I, I don't know if you guys like quotes. Uh, sometimes I'll put them on my desk, you know, or I'll, I'll tweet them out or I'll put them on Facebook. Things that you can remember, neat little quotes. Um, and, and some quotes we've all heard. Help me finish some of these quotes. All right, let's participate together. You, you can remember these. Uh, better safe than it's always darkest before the dawn. Um, here's another one. Um, don't bite the hand that feeds you. Yeah, these are quotable kind of modern day proverbs. There was a first grade school teacher and she took some of these modern day proverbs and these modern day quotes and she wanted to see how her first graders would finish the quote like you guys did. And here's what, here's what they said. Yeah, you know this is going to be good. Um, she said, better safe than, and they said, better safe than to punch a fifth grader. <laughs> here's another one. It's always darkest before Daylight savings time was their answer. <laughs> Don't bite the hand that looks dirty. Looks dirty. <laughs> Pretty wise. Uh, where there's smoke, there's pollution, they said. There's pollution. <laughs> they're, they're from Denver. Um, a penny saved is not much, was their answer. <laughs> not much. Even a first grader understands that. And then my favorite one of all. Here's how they answer this. Children should be seen and not... Spanked or grounded? <laughs> that was a wise answer. Should be seen and not spanked or grounded. Now, now we know these as kind of modern day proverbs uh, that are quotable. But we're talking about the biblical proverbs that are also very quotable. And you hear them quoted a lot. Uh, one writer said a proverb is a brief statement that summarizes in just a few words practical truths that relate to some aspect of everyday life. The Spanish uh, novelist Cervantes said this, it's a, a proverb is a short sentence based on long experience. I like that, a short sentence based on long experience. Uh, you have this in your notes. The English word proverb is from two Latin words, pro verba. Pro means instead of, verba means words. It's instead of. A proverb is a sentence given instead of many words. It's just a short sentence that summarizes a very wise Principle. The Hebrew word for proverb means a comparison. And throughout the book of Proverbs, as you read them, you'll see many comparisons. Many of Solomon's Proverbs, they compare something to something else. In Bible study, I say this a lot. Two of the most important words in Bible study are like and as. Like and as. And, and he paints these word pictures. Let me give you a couple of examples. Turn to Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. Proverbs 27, 17. And he uses these word pictures and, and it makes a comparison in just a very short sentence a picture's worth a thousand words Proverbs 17 17 you probably heard this as iron sharpens iron there's the picture so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend just like iron sharpens iron a man sharpens his friend look at Proverbs 28 verse 15 28 Paints another picture using like and as. Like what? A roaring lion and a charging bear. You got the picture? He said, just like that is a wicked ruler over poor people. 
And just in a very short amount of words, by comparing, he, he paints these pictures that are very understandable. So Proverbs are, are a short, catchy sentence that are quotable. They're easy to remember. They pack a lot of wisdom into a very small space. They're, they're quotable. Here's something else about Proverbs. They're scriptural. Not only are they quotable, but they're scriptural. I mean, throughout history, Proverbs have been compiled into many books. But no collection of Proverbs is greater than the Old Testament book of Proverbs because they're not just nice little sayings. They are scripture. They are God-inspired. In 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 32, it tells us that Solomon spoke, watch this, over 3,000 Proverbs. He spoke over 3,000 but the book of Proverbs only contains 513. You know what that lets us know? God put the best 513 Proverbs into the Bible, into the canon of Scripture. That's import how important and valuable these Proverbs are. God didn't even include all of Solomon's, but he gave us the best ones. And they're found, we know they're Scripture. One reason we know they're Scripture is because they're found quoted in the New Testament. Um, you can find Proverbs quoted in the book of Romans, uh, the book of Hebrews, Revelation, James, First and Second Peter, all quoting from the Old Testament scripture book of Proverbs. And so the Proverbs found in the Bible are much more than just clever sayings. They're inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, truly God's wisdom to us. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this. Paul was writing to Timothy and he said, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. That comes from the Greek words pneumotheos. It means God breathed. People say, how do we get our Bible? You know, who, how is it that men wrote it but it's from God? God used men as the human instrument but God was doing the talking. And this scripture is profitable for doctrine, which is teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So what? The man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. They're very practical for everyday living in our lives. So Proverbs are quotable. Proverbs are scriptural. Here's another one. Number three, Proverbs are memorable. They're memorable. Now, some people might ask the question, why did Solomon... Uh, use Proverbs and not some other literary form to record such divine wisdom from God. Why didn't he write books and books? Well, we have to remember that when, when he wrote these some 3,000 years ago, the average Jewish citizen did not have a copy of God's Word like we do today because the printing press had not come around. So anything they had was, was handwritten. So most of them did not have their own copy of the Word of God, which lets us know we live in very special times. Amen? Because we all have many copies of the Word of God. But they didn't. So they relied heavily on memorization. So Solomon had all this incredibly godly wisdom. He wanted people to remember. So instead of writing chapters and chapters and books and books and, and, and all these you know, long sentences, he just wrote very short proverbs so that they could be written. Solomon, instead of writing a lecture on pride that only a few people can remember, he simply wrote a proverb. Many of you have heard this proverb, 16.8. says, pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. If you've heard that before, say yes. Now, if he'd have written a big, long book on that, we wouldn't have remembered it, but we can remember that. Pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And how true that is. That verse alone is only seven words in the Hebrew language. It's so short that even a child could remember it. So because Proverbs are brief and, and they're very pictorial, they paint word pictures, they're easy to memorize, they're easy to recall, they're easy to share, and most importantly, they're easy to apply 
to our life. And, and in so many practical areas, as we, we go through Proverbs, it, it addresses areas such as acquiring and using wealth, making wise financial decisions. Um, it, it helps us with making and keeping friends and relationships. It helps us build a happy and healthy home. It helps us to avoid temptation and trouble. It helps us to control our tongues and, and our mouth. It helps us uh, to control our feelings. It talks about disciplining the tongue and building godly character. These are all very practical things in the book of Proverbs, and because they're short and quotable and memorable, we can put them into practice in our life. So Proverbs are quotable, they're scriptural, they're memorable, and then, number four, they're very practical. They're very practical. Now, as, as people read the book of Proverbs, what, one of the things you're going to notice is different subjects and themes are kind of spread out. They're kind of all over the place. And, and some people say, why didn't Solomon, you know, put these Proverbs all in topical order? You know, like chapter 1 through 2 are about finances, and chapter 3 through 4 are about, you know, uh, making good decisions in your home or, or, or your tongue. Well, here, here's one reason why I think God had him scatter these throughout his writings, it's so that when you read a chapter of Proverbs on any given day, it's going to hit many different subjects, and probably one of those is going to apply to something very practical that you're going to deal with that day. Every day, practical, there's something because they're spread out all over the place. And I want to give you guys an assignment. I want to challenge you to, to do this as we are spending the next couple of months in Proverbs. And this is something I try to do on a regular basis. Have you noticed that there are how many chapters in Proverbs? 31 chapters in Proverbs. What's the most amount of days we have or in any month? 31. So many people have found it very practical to read a chapter of Proverbs that matches the day of the month. So I'm going to challenge you to do that over the next two months. If you do this every day, then you're going to read through the book of Proverbs twice at least in the next uh, couple of months. And it's perfect because today's, today's the last day of May. Tomorrow's the first day of June, June 1st. So I'm going to challenge you starting tomorrow morning, read Proverbs chapter 1. And then the next day on Tuesday, read Proverbs chapter 2. And do that every day. It'll take you like three to five minutes. If you'll do that, not only is it a good practice to get into reading the Word of God every day, you'll see how practical this book is every single day. You'll be able to pick out one of those Proverbs and go, man, I can use that today. So I'm going to ask you guys, you're in church. You've got to be honest. How many will commit to do that every day starting tomorrow for the next two months? You'll read the chapter of Proverbs that fits that day. Okay? Raise them high. Raise them high. Okay? We're writing your names down right now. We've got some guys watching. Okay? And you'll see what I'm talking about, how, how practical Proverbs Because I'll tell you right now, we're not going to be able to cover every single proverb. We're going to look at the themes as we go through this book. But you guys will as you read them, and you'll see what I'm talking about. And one writer said, what Solomon wrote in Proverbs is more like a kaleidoscope than a stained glass window. You never know what the next pattern is going to be. But even though they're scattered throughout the different themes, and I don't think I put this in your notes, but you might want to jot this down. There is sort of an overarching flow to Proverbs that a lot of people miss. Chapters 1 through 9 emphasizes wisdom and folly. Folly is foolishness. You're either going to live a life of wisdom or you're going to live a life of foolishness. And it's pictured as two women. That these two women show up in our life every day. One of them wants us to follow wisdom, and one of us wants to follow folly. And that's in chapters 1 through 9. You've got to decide every day, which woman am I going to follow? The woman of wisdom or the woman of folly and foolishness? And, and we, we face this decision before we even get out of bed every morning, don't we? The alarm goes off, and the voice of wisdom says, you probably ought to get out of bed. 
you probably ought to get up or you're going to be late to work. You have responsibilities today. The woman of folly says, hit the snooze button. Just sleep in. You know, we make financial decisions almost every day, every month. And the woman of wisdom says, make good financial decisions. You know, give to God first, save second, live on the rest, live within a margin, have a budget. The woman of folly says, spend, buy, you know, spend more than, you, you know, don't, don't act your wage. And, and you can make those foolish decisions. We face this every day. So that's chapters 1 through 9. Chapters 10 through 15 um, presents a series of contrasts between the life of wisdom and the life of foolishness. If you want to know what's going to happen when you live a life of wisdom, read chapters 10 through 15. If you want to know what's going to happen if you live a life of folly, Chapter 10 through 15 addresses that as well. And then chapter 16 to 31 offers a variety of many different subjects and counsel that we can apply practically to a lot of different areas of life. And we'll be touching on those throughout this, this series. But what overall what you find in Proverbs is every day we make a decision. Are we going to follow the voice of wisdom and choose wisely? Or are we going to follow the voice of folly and choose poorly? And as we saw in the video, that didn't go so well. We need to choose wisely. Choose wisely. So we've talked about the major theme of Proverbs, which is what? Church, help me out. Wisdom. We know who wrote the book of Proverbs. What's his name? Solomon. We know how he wrote it. Now, number three, let's answer this question. What is the key verse that unlocks Proverbs? What's a key verse? In most of our studies, and predominantly we study books of the Bible here at Orchard Church, we want to find the key verse. Well, you don't have to look any further than verse 7 of chapter 1, I believe, to find the key verse that unlocks Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 says this. The fear of the Lord. Everybody say, fear of the Lord. I love this. After the first service this morning, our 8 o'clock service, I had a man to come to me and he said, you answered a question today that I've been asking all of my life. And it was this question. What is the fear of the Lord? What does that mean? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The key verse that unlocks Proverbs is the fear of the Lord. And there are 18 references to the fear of the Lord found throughout the book of Proverbs. The fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord. Now, what does it really mean to fear the Lord? You know, when I was a kid growing up in church, when I thought about the fear of the Lord, I thought about the scene from The Wizard of Oz where Dorothy and her pals had to come before, I am Oz, you know, great at power. That's how I thought the fear of the Lord played itself out. That's what it looked like to me. But that's not really the vision and view of God and perspective that God wants us to have. What, what does it mean to have a healthy fear of the Lord? The word fear comes from the Hebrew word yirah. Everybody say yirah. Yirah. Sounds like yeehaw, but it's not quite. And it means a moral reverence. That's what it means. It's a moral Reverence. The fear of the Lord is a moral reverence. It means, listen, that we acknowledge that God is our creator and we are his creation. It means that we acknowledge that God is our father and we are his children. It means that God is our master and we are his servants. That's what a healthy fear and reverence and respect of God looks like. If I could kind of explain it this way uh, as a parent when our children were growing up and they were younger and they would disobey there would be discipline and our kids would fear that discipline and they didn't like the discipline but we didn't want them to always just fear the discipline 
We wanted them to grow and mature to the point where they respect mom and dad enough that they trust us and believe that we only want what's best for them. And so there was a point in their life that they grew beyond the fear of the discipline. And they weren't afraid of the discipline, but they were afraid of hurting mom and dad because they respect mom and dad and, and, and they want to please mom and dad. And the fear of the Lord means we respect God for who he is and that we listen to him carefully and that we, we want to do what he says because we trust him and we believe that he's wiser than us and he knows better than us. And that we will make a wise decision because we fear God, we respect God, we reverence God, we honor God. If that makes sense, say yes. It's not that we're just afraid of God hurting us. It means we're afraid of hurting God. That's what a healthy fear of the Lord looks like. And so in order for us to unlock the wisdom of Proverbs, we need to have a healthy fear of the Lord, which means we have a healthy fear and respect of his word and what he tells us. So number four, let me answer this question. How do we get the most out of Proverbs? How, how, how do we get the most out of Proverbs? Let me give you three things. First of all, if we're going to get the most, I mean, we're going to study this book for the next couple of months. Let's, let's get the most out of it that we can apply to our daily lives. And so there's three things we need to understand. First of all, we've got to be cautious. We should be cautious as we study the book of Proverbs. Now, some of you are like, well, what do we need to be, be cautious of? Why, why do we need to be cautious? Well, I want to I say something that I remember the first time I heard someone teaching uh, the book of Proverbs. They said this statement, and I was like, I'm not sure if I agree with that or not. But the more that I've studied the book of Proverbs and seen it applied to my life and other people's lives, I, I now agree with this statement. We need to be cautious in understanding that Proverbs are principles about life, not promises to claim. Let me say that again. That Proverbs are more principles about life than they are promises to claim. Now, there are some wonderful promises to claim in Proverbs, but you've got to be cautious that you don't claim every single proverb as a promise from God that is an absolute. Let me give you a couple examples. Uh, maybe you've heard this before. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1 says, A soft word turns away wrath. How many of you ever heard that proverb before? Now, that is a principle that most of the time works. You know, if you're in an argument with your spouse or someone and you kind of, okay, let's, let's, let's calm the conversation. You slow down. You talk a little quieter, which is a real challenge for me to do, by the way. Let me just tell you that. But you know, it kind of calms the conversation. A soft word turns away wrath and can be calming. Now, that's a great principle. But it's not a promise to claim that is always going to happen. Try that if a, you know, a, guy, a robber tries to break into your house and wants to hurt your family. Oh, hi there, sir. Welcome to our home. You know? It's not a promises, promise to claim. It, it, it's, it's a principle that applies most of the time. I learned this the hard way. You know, I grew up hearing this proverb that a, a, a soft way turns away wrath. And when I was in, in college and I was at the University of Oklahoma, I went to this dance one time. And we were there and we were dancing and we were with the friends having a good time. And uh, yeah, believe it or not, your pastor once could dance. Yeah. I actually had some pretty good 80s moves. I could do a good running man back in the day. Yeah. I'm not going to show you that today though. So maybe just real quick one, you know. Okay. All right. That's good enough. So. Forget that ever happened. Forget that ever happened. So anyway, 
I was out there dancing, having a good time. And, and, and this girl came up to me and she's like, hey, you want to dance? And I'm like, okay, sure. And so we started dancing. For like 30, 45 minutes, we we're having a good time, just having fun, a bunch of friends. I didn't really know, I didn't know who she was. And, and then, you know, we got tired, we got hot, so we went outside. We go outside and this guy that is like six foot three comes up to me and he gets in my face. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. He was 6'3", and I was not 6'3". He's like, hey, why were you dancing with my girlfriend? And I'm like, oh, I, I didn't know. And I remember this verse, a soft word turns away wrath, because I'm like, this guy can kill me. And so I'm like, uh, listen, hey, man, hey, man, hey, bro, you know. I, I, I didn't know. I'm so sorry. And I tried this soft word turns away wrath thing. It didn't work. Next thing I know, this guy punches me right in the jaw. Just boom. Now, here's the good news. I didn't fall down. It didn't knock me out. But after that, I ran. Okay? Because I was really fast. So, listen. Let me caution you with Proverbs. These are principles to live by, not always promises to claim. Let, let me give you another one that you got to be cautious of. That you parents can definitely identify with. Proverbs 22.6. You hear this quoted all the time. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Is that always true? No. Now, sometimes it's true. And it's been a principle that many Christian families have embraced. And you should. And train up your child in the way they should go. And sometimes they'll stray. And then they'll come back. And we've seen that happen at times in, in our family with our, our kids. But I, I know some parents and some families that have had kids go. They trained them up right. And their kid got, went the wrong way. And they still haven't come back. And maybe never will come back. Because these are principles to live by. Not promises to claim. Because the Bible also tells us that everybody has a free will to choose. And so be cautious with Proverbs. Does that makes sense? Say yes. Be cautious. The principles live by, not promises always to claim. Here's another thing. If we're going to get the most out of Proverbs, uh, and this is a pretty obvious one, but, but surprises people at times, we should be a believer. And that's true of any study of the Bible. Because ultimately, the teacher of the Bible is not Doug Dameron. It, it's, it's not even your discipler. It's not even yourself. It is the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible says the Spirit of God guides us into all truth and teaches us the Bible. And, and the only way to have the Spirit of God is to be a child of God. And so we need to be a believer. Solomon often uses the phrase, my son. You can see this in uh, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8. He says, my son, hear the instruction of your, your father. Verse 10, he says, my son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. And Proverbs contains some great truths that loving Godly parents want to pass on to their children, but God wants these to pass these on to his children. That means we have to be his child, which means we have to be a believer. An effective study of Proverbs means we have to be a believer in Jesus Christ. Now, whenever I say we have to be God's children, we always have people that say, well, aren't we all God's children? No, not biblically speaking. The Bible tells us God is everyone's creator. I think we can agree with that, but God is only our father and we are only his children when we enter into a personal faith decision with his son Jesus Christ. The Bible says we must be born again and then we are adopted into God's family. He becomes our father, we become his children and then that's when God guides us and he directs us and he speaks to us and he puts his Holy Spirit inside of us. So if we're really going to get the most out of the book of Proverbs, we've got to be a child of God. Now the good news is if you're here today you say, well I'm not sure if I'm a child of God or not, you can become one 
in just a few moments before we dismiss this service. The Bible says in John 1.12 that whoever will receive Christ, he gives them the right, the right to become children of God. And so maybe some of you today, you're here, you've been making a living, but it's time today you make a life. And that life begins when you accept the giver of life. Jesus Christ is your, your Lord and Savior. First John 5.12 says it this way. He who has the Son has what? Life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. You may be making a living, but God wants you to make a life. And your life, for some of you, could really begin today. And then you can begin this journey through Proverbs with us, with the Spirit of God in your life and your Heavenly Father speaking to you as His child, giving you His wisdom, helping you to make the wisest of decisions. So if we're going to get the most out of Proverbs, we've got to be cautious. We've got to be a believer. And then number three, this is probably most important of all, best for last, we should be obedient. We're not going to get much out of this book if we're not obedient to this book. Like any other book of the Bible or any other verse in the Bible, at least 12 times in Proverbs you find the words hear or hearken. Look at Proverbs chapter 1 verse 8. Solomon says, My son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 1, he says it this way, Hear, my children, the instruction of your father and give attention to no understanding. This word hear means to listen intelligently with the intention to obey. Parents, don't you wish your children would all hear you like that? That whenever you say something to them, they would listen intelligently with the intention to obey? Kids, you need to clean up your room. Okay, did you hear me? Yes, we heard you, Dad. Yes, we understand, Dad. Yes, we had a small group that talked about cleaning our room, Dad. We memorized your words, Dad. Yeah, but did you clean your room? As parents, we want our children to hear intelligently with the intention to obey. And that's what God wants us to do with the book of Proverbs. And any verse in the Bible. That we hear it, that we hearken to it, that we listen to it, and that we want to obey it. James 1.25 says it this way. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, the Bible, and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a what? But a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he hears. Is that what it says? This will be blessed in what he memorizes. What he talks about. No, we'll, we're blessed in what we do. We're going to get the most out of Proverbs. We not only have to hear them and understand them and study them and memorize them, we have to do them. We're blessed by God when we do what God says. Jesus said it this way, Matthew 7, 24, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to what kind of man? A wise man who built his house on the rock. And then he contrasts a foolish man. What is foolishness? Now, everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, he will be like, what kind of man? A foolish man who built his house on the sand. A wise person hears God's word, understands God's word, maybe studies and even memorizes God's word, but a truly wise person takes it a step further. They do God's word. They apply God's word. To get the most out of Proverbs, we've got to be cautious, we've got to be a believer, and we've got to be obedient. I want to close with uh, this famous statement from Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln said this, In the end, it's not the years in your life that count. It's the life in your years. I love that statement. As we go through the book of Proverbs this summer, let's learn how to make more than a living 
Let's make a life that counts by applying godly wisdom in every situation. Father, thank you for your word this morning. May we make wise decisions for your honor and your glory. With heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment, let me just ask you a simple question. Will you right now ask the Lord to give you his wisdom? Just like James says, if anyone asks, God will give it to you. And let me ask you, how many moms, dads, husbands, wives, teenagers, you'd say, you know what, as we study Proverbs this summer, I'm going to ask God for godly wisdom, and I want to apply the wisdom he gives me. If that's your prayer, can I pray for you? Would you slip up your hand all across this auditorium? I hope every hand is up. I want to ask God to help me to make wise decisions. Let me pray for all of us. Father, would you help us to make wise decisions, to not just be hearers but doers of your word? Help us to listen to the voice of wisdom instead of the wisdom of folly. Help us to apply it to our lives and make the most of every opportunity that you give us. We don't want to just make a living. We want to make a life that is pleasing to you and for our benefit as well as we follow your word and your wisdom in every situation. Heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment. Let me just ask another question. Maybe you're here today and you... You'd say, you know what, I, I don't know if I truly am a child or, of God or not. You know, I thought, I thought everybody was God's child. And, and you'd say, you know, that, God spoke to my heart about that. I, I want to make sure I am a child of God. I, I want to make sure that I am a believer in Jesus Christ. You can become a child of God right now. The Bible says, whoever calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. And the way we call upon God is through a simple prayer. It's not, this isn't a magic prayer or magic words, but if you put faith and belief behind this prayer, you can invite Jesus into your life today. He will be your Lord and he'll be your Savior. If that's you today, that, the wisest decision you could ever make is accepting Christ. And many people around you have made that decision, but have you made that decision? And, you, and your step toward wisdom begins today by wisely accepting Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of your sins. If that's you today and you're ready to make that decision, let me lead you in a prayer that you can pray from your heart to God's right where you sit right now. And it goes like this. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I want to be your child. I want you to be my father. I want you to be my master. I want to trust you. Jesus, come into my life today. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, and I'm going to look around for just a moment. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, I'd love the privilege to just pray for you as you begin your new journey with Jesus Christ as his child. Would you just slip up your hand and say, yes, I prayed that prayer of faith. God bless you. Thank you. Anyone else? Yes, I prayed that prayer. Anyone else? Just slip it up, put it down. I accepted Jesus. I don't want to just make a living. I want to make a life. God bless you, ma'am. Thank you. God bless you, young person. Thank you. Let me pray for you. Father, I just pray for all those that have put their faith and trust in you today, that from this day forward, that they would grow in their relationship with you through the wisdom of your word and your Holy Spirit, guiding and leading them in their life, help them to make wise decisions. Thank you for the wisest decision they could ever make by putting their faith and trust in you today. May their life never be the same. Lord, may we be excited about studying the book of Proverbs. And may we apply it to our lives and make wise decisions. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we celebrate decisions for Christ this morning? Amen.
If you made a decision for Christ this morning, please let us know about that. You can just check the box that you accepted Christ there in your connection card. Drop it in the offering bucket when it goes by. If you're a first-time guest with us today, thanks so much for being our guest here at Orchard Church. Uh, we want you to be more than just a face in the crowd or a number this morning. We really care about you. So uh, hopefully you filled out that guest connection card. You can drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by in just a moment. First-time guests, listen, we are not interested in your money today, but we're definitely interested in you. So please let us know that you're here. We'll send you a little thank you note and a gift in the mail as well. I hope you guys are excited about studying the book of Proverbs as you guys begin to read that tomorrow. We talk about it over the next several weeks. Next week, we're going to talk about eight characteristics of a wise person. If you say, well, I think I'm wise, but I'm not sure, you're going to know next week. There's going to be eight characteristics. You're going to be able to say, where am I making wise decisions? Where can I, maybe is there room for improvement? We'll look at that uh, next week. Uh, last night, we had the first of our every week, every Saturday night Spanish services at six o'clock. And I want to share some great news with you guys. There was a, a man that had been coming to our, our Spanish preview services. He met a, a, another a Spanish-speaking man at the Walmart down in Commerce City, invited him to the service last night. He came for the first time and he accepted Christ last night at our Spanish service. Can we celebrate that this morning? Amen. And, and one of the reasons I, I, I want to tell you about that is, is as we get ready to receive our gifts to the Lord, as we close in a song of worship through song and worship through our giving, because giving is an act of worship, that all of you who faithfully give, and, and so many of you are so faithful and so generous, so that we can have the ministries we have, not only here at Orchard Church, but start the Spanish ministry and feeding centers and missionaries around the world, that every one of you who faithfully give, you had a part in that man coming to Christ last night. You had a part in that decision. So thank you. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your giving. You know, there's something we really want to value here at Orchard Church. You're going to start hearing me say this a lot because we really embrace this. We want to be a, a people and a church that learns to give to God first because God gave to us first. We want to give first. Save second and then live on the rest. That is good financial principles. And so thank you for your gener generosity and your giving. So let's stand as we close in a song of worship. Worship through our giving. God bless you guys for being here. We'll see you next week for Proverbs.